Welcome to The Screeners, Episode 4, The Art of History and Mystery. What would happen if the original Die Hard and Air Force One had a baby? Find out as we discuss the new shoot-em-up, Olympus Has Fallen. The new video app, Fine, and the movie The Wolverine give us our very first tweezer. The Nielsen family has been left for dead, and we discuss the current podcasts that are occupying our screens. This week for our main event, for the very first time, we journey into the world of gaming. Can Ken Levine and Irrational Games possibly live up to the high expectations? Find out as we journey to the floating city of Columbia and Bioshock Infinite. And in the cutting room floor, we introduce a new segment where we get to force another screener to watch a film of our choosing and convince me to watch. Let's go. From the big screen to the small screen and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Screeners Podcast. This is Chris. And Chad. I'm Melody. And Josh. And we're back again to talk all things media. We just want to take a minute up top to say if there's anything you'd like to hear us talk about on the show, please drop us a comment at ScreenersPodcast.com or send us an email at ScreenersCast at gmail.com. Let's hop into the show with Jump Cuts. Jump Cuts. Jump all right, guys, after the first couple of episodes, we've realized that we take a little bit too long on each one of these questions. We want this to be quick and snappy, and so we're going to limit ourselves to 60 seconds. In fact, we've got a timer, and when that timer goes off, we're going to get cut off and move to the next person. Number one. Everybody knows you did the right thing on that bridge. Even the president knows. you got to learn how to get back into the real world. Olympus is falling. Olympus is falling. The same guy that was removed from the president's detail. He is ex-special forces. We're talking about the safety of the president of the United States. We're talking about a hell of a lot more than that, sir. The United States of America doesn't negotiate with terrorists. Who said anything about negotiating? All right, so I saw Olympus Has Fallen this past week, and I'm curious if any of you guys actually saw the movie and uh, and what you thought of it. So uh, why don't we go to Melody and find out what uh, what she thought of Olympus Has Fallen. Well, I did see it. I'm slightly embarrassed to say that overall, I did enjoy it and have a fun time. However, most of the time I was laughing at the ridiculous plot or the embarrassingly embarrassingly stupid president character who makes decisions that make me very, very angry that I would go into if we were actually doing a review of this film. And some of the graphics pretty much look like I was messing around in After Effects and somehow created a movie. They were pretty horrendous. But if you, if you know, if you just go in and kind of take it for what it's worth and just pretend you're back in the 90s with a good old action movie, it was fun. If you don't pick it apart too much, I, I think it was a good movie, ish. Chad, what do you think, man? Well, you know, I am definitely the senior statesman here. I'm a little bit older than you guys, although I know you appreciated it. I, I definitely grew up cutting my teeth on movies like Die Hard and Lethal Weapon. 
And there's something about a movie like this that, for me, it just makes me smile because it is completely ridiculous. It's over the top. The the dialogue is terrible. But there's something good about killing some bad guys for good old America. And I saw it with a pretty raucous crowd that erupted in applause maybe five or six times now. As you can tell from my not-so-subtle accent... I'm from a part of the United States that's a little bit southeastern, and so my audience may lean a little bit more towards uh, red meat and jingoism, but uh, I kind of just had to say it is what it is. Kind of enjoyed it. Kind of enjoyed it. Josh, did you see it? I did not see it. I will have to forego Gerard Butler's acting chops on this one and just (laughs) defer to you guys because I was, what was I doing this weekend? Well, it wasn't seeing Olympus has fallen, whatever it was. So let me give you guys my input. And obviously, you may have guessed since I have been pegged as the person who likes these action thrill—not action thrills, the action-packed explosions, Michael Bay films. I absolutely love this film. This is right up my alley. I love <laughs> I'm every so shocked. Every little nuance about it. Melody came out afterwards and was like, "Did you see how bad those visual effects were in that film?" And I was like, "No, no, I didn't. I liked every. I, I literally, I had my rose-colored glasses Bad on, and I just blind my brain." I, <laughs> there was a, a lot of bad visual effects and a lot of cheesy dialogue. And, oh, you now know, a you lot admit of, it. Well, no, of course. But I'm, what I'm saying is that even though it had it in there, I really enjoyed the film overall. It, it knew what it was trying to be. It wasn't trying to elevate itself and, and kind of be take itself more seriously. I mean, literally, he talks about, ah, I don't want to give away too many spoilers if you're going to go see it, doing something to the the main bad guy. And then he you know does it. And it's just like it's so satisfying and, and amazing. <laughs> Uh, my time's up. <laughs> so do we want to keep talking about this or do we want to move on? I think so. I, I think just maybe just a little bit. Uh, right. If we want to make this jump cut and extended cut, I'm up yes. for it if everybody else is. We need a three three uh, out of the four vote, though. Josh, you okay if we do it? I'm sure I can find something else to do while you guys are talking about it. So <laughs> sure. Excellent. Excellent. Right. Melody? I've got some reading to do. Sure thing. I have plenty of things to say about this movie. <laughs> okay. One thing I did notice about it, is that to me, and I don't think it was my screen because it's an, I saw it in a really nice brand new theater with digital projection and I've seen other movies in the same room, but it looked like really dark. I don't know if you guys noticed huh. that. Like it just looked dirty and kind of muddy and not good. And I don't know if that's the cinematography or if that was intentional to hide the fact that the sets were kind of bad and, and the, some of the visual effects were bad. But uh, did anybody else notice that or was that just me? Did you see it on a digital projector or did I you did. see it at home? Yeah. Huh, that's interesting. No, I didn't notice it, but again, I had my rose-colored glasses on, so I didn't notice a lot. Melody, I can't, I can't say that I noticed that, but, and yeah. I was definitely distracted by the visuals, so that might have been just your theater, <laughs> Wait a Chad. When you say distracted by the visuals, what does that mean? I mean, seriously, there there's a shot of the Washington Monument that seriously looks like it was from SimCity. I mean... Oh, just embarrassing, <laughs> embarrassing. When the, I mean, I don't want to like give too much spoilers. We'll do minor but, spoilers, I guess. All right. I mean, when the when the plane is shooting off the countermeasures or whatever, I mean, that's the part that I, I seriously could take footage of a plane into After Effects right now and make it look that good. I'm not even kidding. It wow. was embarrassing. I need to hire And you, you say, wow, like you didn't even, you seriously didn't even notice that because you just love it that much. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I did. I, I, I honestly enjoyed it that much that I did not notice how bad it was. Um, First of fun. all, Chris saying he doesn't notice how bad something is should not be a shock to any of us. He loves Transformers, and I will never let him live that down. It's okay. I, I like Transformers it. had great visual it's not, effects. It's not a bad thing It was at just all. a terrible movie. No. Movies. Movies. It was movies. fun. Dude, if, oh, there you were enjoy, more? If you enjoyed this. Those. <laughs> if you enjoyed this film, 
there's nothing in this film that is any more offensive or better than what is in Transformers. The only thing about this film that's better than Transformers 2 and 3 is everything. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. Amen. Okay. <laughs> right. Except the visual effects. All right. Well, is there anything, anything else pertinent we want to talk about? Olympus I mean, has fallen. Should people go out and see it? I mean, that, I guess, is what people if you like. It, if you like the 90s action flicks, definitely yeah. it is right yeah. in that if, wheelhouse. If you're a fan of, like, of The Rock and... Air Force One. Yeah, Air Force One. I, I wouldn't one put it in, in the category no, of those, but it's the feel. Broken, it's broken the Arrow feel. and Face Off and all those kind of like just fun, oh, schlocky, <laughs> you know, interesting. Look, I don't, I don't want to come off too negative here because I like this movie. Yeah, I, it, yeah. it's so bad that I liked it. I mean, there's exactly. some, there's some one-liners that you can tell <laughs> that when the screenwriters wrote it out, they were laughing, but they yeah. worked. They landed pretty well because the entire audience that I was with laughed, including myself. It's That's ridiculous true. and over the top. So. The, so, there aren't a lot of movies like this, which yeah. is why I think you should exactly. go see it because it's. Yeah. Uh, and let me let me do this comparison. This movie way out Die Hard's the most recent Die Hard, which you know, yeah. which I, was yeah. terrible. It's, it's, it's much more enjoyable. It yeah. doesn't take itself as seriously as that film. It's interesting that you mentioned the audience. Just real quick, and this will be the last thing because our audience had yep. a similar reaction. Like whenever there was a gory moment in this movie, and this movie is rated R. I did not know that going into <laughs> it's it. Hardcore, dude. Yeah, I was not. I wasn't expecting. And I was thinking PG-13 for this time of year for some reason. Sat down and I mean, there was a lady up front who literally was just the entire. Whenever there was a hardcore moment, would literally scream to the high heavens. Was oh, and the entire theater would you know just erupt in laughter. It was, yeah. it was, it was, it was, it was and that, that's kind of a signature of Antoine Fuqua. He's like really hardcore, hardcore yeah. with his uh, with his yeah. violence. But ultimately, I would say this: I left the new Die Hard like mad at the world and I left this movie loving everything yeah. so yep pretty cool. much cool alright let's move on to uh, to the next one number two how many of you guys have downloaded Vine the new six second video app by Twitter I have Josh yep. Melody I have not but I've seen videos from the Vine. <laughs> Vine. The, the theme of everything that we do on this podcast Look. is Josh saying, I have not done that or seen that. <laughs> Look, go read my bio. I hate everything. That's true. This well, is true. Do well, they even have Vine for Android phones? I don't even know. Oh, shut up. Well, Vine, there was actually a little bit of history made a couple of days ago when the new Wolverine film, in advance of their actual trailer, released a six-second Vine video, which was the first footage that they've released to the public, and they're actually calling it a tweezer, and it was six seconds long, and I had a a chance to watch it. I watched it probably five or six times, so my question to you is... After seeing this, do you guys think that that is, one, effective? Can you actually get the message across in six seconds? And then, number two, do you think that this will be something people use in the future? So uh, let's start with Josh. Did you have a chance to see it online? Well, I had to block out some time for it, but yes, I saw it. (laughs) I had to sit down, watch it once. Then I thought I might have missed some details, so I watched it again. (laughs) Then I went and journaled about it a bit came back okay i didn't that trailer was so disconnected so many cuts there were about 50 scenes in that trailer and i don't know how anyone can think that was a good idea stream of consciousness is for books and even then it requires a sustained thought every now and then but i do have a free idea for the next trailer for them if they want it three shots one and a half seconds of hugh jackman saying something pithy because that's what wolverine does one and a half seconds of him walking away from an explosion toward the camera. Then three seconds of the words, the end, with a question mark, c- getting bigger on the screen. Done. Gold. Wow. 
Josh, you're gonna, Hollywood is going to hire you right <laughs> <Thank> now. You. <laughs> Three cuts, gold. Wow. Love it. That would okay. actually be cuts. two cuts, but yeah, all right. Three so, shots. Shut up. I got you. I got you. All right. So, Chris, uh, I, I, what do you think? I'm kind of speechless right now. Yeah. Well, actually, I kind of enjoyed it. I think it's a good way of because obviously we're talking about it. Uh, everybody is talking about it. And there's a bunch of people who could have done this before, but they just decided to use the medium. I think is it effective as a storytelling mechanism? Absolutely not. But is it as effective to stir up some excitement and you know people wanting to take a look at the you know actual trailer that it came out? And I got to see that in front of um, GI Joe actually uh, this past weekend. So I got to see the full trailer. I think the little tweezer trailer it 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 works. Melody, what do you think? I mean, I think the idea of it is good. I think if they could come up with something that would be a little bit more unique to do in six seconds rather than just a million flashes of, of shots from the movie, I don't think that this specific tweezer is going to get anyone excited for the movie that wasn't already at least somewhat knowledgeable and excited about it. Just a bunch of random scenes. But the idea is cool, and maybe maybe we'll see something more fun in the future. I think that it's good for Vine because it actually got people talking about Vine. And then number two, I think it's good for Wolverine for the same reason. I don't know a lot of people, and we all live in the world of of geekdom and comic book movies. I don't know a lot of people that are super excited about this new Wolverine, uh, primarily because the last one was so bad. But it got people talking about it. Yeah. I don't think I, I do agree that the six seconds, you can't really do much, but Hollywood will crank it up and it'll be another element of their online marketing that they do for each one of these films. I thought it was only good for what its purpose is, and that was to get people talking about it. And in that in that regard, it worked. Yeah, yeah I, I should clarify that I don't think it's a bad idea and it did get people talking. I just thought it was kind of executed poorly. They were trying to cram a whole 30 second, two minute trailer into six seconds. And I, just I agree, Josh. That and, and, that, didn't and work. that, ladies and gentlemen, is called backpedaling. <laughs> no, I still say it's a bad I no. agree. I just said it was a good idea. Yeah. No, Josh, uh, Josh's hatred is intact. It's intact. Uh, okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Sweet. So Wired had an interesting, Wired Magazine had an interesting series uh, this week about a lot of different things related to TV. But one of their headlines was the Nielsen family is dead, talking about the Nielsen ratings agency that's been around since 30s, 50s. Maybe I'll look that up. Anyways, (laughs) Nielsen is having to change their business model because of the changes that are happening with Netflix and Amazon and some other new revolutions in TV. So I'm wondering what what you guys think of this, the whole change in the ratings industry. Well, first of all, I was concerned with the the title, Nielsen Family is Dead. And I thought (laughs) some sort of massacre has occurred. Um, And then I read the article and realized that uh, that wasn't funny. He'll be here all week, folks. He'll be here all week. (laughs) Tippy (laughs) Quater. So anyway. Your clock's um, running. I completely agree with with. Well, not completely. I, I, sorry. The thesis is that because we are now being able to stream content not just from a cable box or from rabbit ears coming off of our television, you know, we stream from Netflix and iTunes and we watch television shows online and there's a lot of different sources that people are watching content and tweeting about it and getting excited about it. So there's a lot of eyeballs watching the screen, seeing advertising that isn't getting counted traditionally through Nielsen's the way that they the way that they do things it's kind of like a polling idea and for me like Nielsen doesn't mean anything I mean I'm a cord cutter in other words I've completely cut off I don't subscribe to a, a cable television anymore <laughs> <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> dang it Melody 
<laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'm also a cord cutter, uh, which means we don't we don't subscribe to uh, any cable or anything like that. So I watch all my content on Netflix and Hulu. So it, it's very clear to me that the Nielsen Nielsen system needs to change. One thing I did find interesting in the article was just talking about like the way people see the ads or whatever, and that they fast forward them with the DVR. And for me, I've noticed now that we once we did cut the cord, I actually watch a lot more ads than I used to because I used to fast forward with the DVR. But now with Hulu, we actually do watch the ads. And I'm fine with that because it's just a short little bit. It's not like a long, big chunk of ads. So anyways, I thought that was interesting. And I also thought it was interesting. They were saying that like, the Nielsen ratings right now only account for shows that are watched within a week of them airing. You know, it was talking a bit about binge watching or whatever shows. I don't know that I necessarily do that a lot, but I will save up like a few episodes on Hulu and, you know, watch two or three at one time so they wouldn't get counted either. So it it definitely... No, for Pete's sake. <laughs> this is annoying. <laughs> no, this is good. You're listening to the Screeners Podcast. Yeah, Melody, actually, you brought up uh, at the end there the point that I think is one of the most relevant, and that is Nielsen only counting stuff that's viewed within a week. I, there are very few television shows that I watch, and I would consider myself an active watcher, that I watch either... Uh, certainly the day that it airs or even within a week that it airs because most of the content that I watch is probably two or three weeks after the fact because I like to stack up two or three episodes in a row and then cram through them. I think Nielsen has got to rework another show that I that I like that's a good example of this is a show called Community. And I know a lot of people, that's kind of a polarizing show, but my, my whole thing on Community is that I think if Nielsen were to rework how they are tracking things, shows like Community have a a large internet following that I think would make a big difference in whether a show gets renewed or not. Josh, what do you think? It's interesting you brought that up because isn't Community one of the shows they mentioned specifically in the article as one that's, it got brought back partially because of its huge cult following on the internet? Right. I think it's high time that this happened. Billboard just did this recently with music ratings, you know, starting to include viral music and YouTube views and stuff like that into a new top hits chart. So it's about time that Nielsen did it. The box, the Nielsen box and the polls were way outdated and the industry needs to catch up with what we're doing. I I can't believe that shows like NCIS and the Big Bang Theory top the ratings charts because they have a bunch of people who cannot be paying attention to their television while these TV shows are on driving up their ratings. So good for Nielsen for evolving because they would get buried otherwise. We want to make this an extended cut just for a few minutes. Do we have anything else that we want to talk about here? Because this is kind of a, an interesting cultural shift in the way that shows are kept alive or not. So yes, or I no. do have a couple more things to yeah. mention about sure. it that okay. are yep. kind All right, let's of related. Go. We'll make this an extended cut. Here we go. Josh, go ahead. Along with this article about Nielsen, Wired has a whole TV package for this issue that I was reading. And a shout out to them for their mobile layout for confusing me into reading like three articles and thinking I was reading the same article. I'm glad I did though because <laughs> because I got more information about Arrested Development season which is coming up in May and it is going to be fantastic. And if you haven't watched it at all, you need that to go watch the That wasn't the same article? Seasons. No, that wasn't oh, the same Pete's article. Sake. <laughs> they got you too. Yeah, I'm pretty did. sure it wasn't. But that and also I think this was in the same chunk that I read. Amazon's new program that they're starting this summer to crowdsource 
the green lighting of pilots. They're going to air a bunch of pilots they've already picked the scripts for and let their giant reviews behemoth give feedback on them. And that's how they're going to pick their original series. And so, so I'm thinking this is going to be a good year for TV. Have you heard the Wachowski brother or not just the Wachowski siblings are doing a new show for Netflix actually as well? I um, have. So anyway, that's kind of cool. Yeah, uh, go you know. Netflix. And I, I can't, I, this is the new thing, House of Cards, you know, they're not getting counted in any Nielsen ratings. They better get some Emmys. I think so. You know what I mean? And so Nielsen just is going to go the way of the dinosaur just because of distribution model altogether. I just think it, it doesn't make any sense to count things the way that they've been counted. They have to either evolve and change things completely or like you said, shows are going to get canceled that are being watched and shows that, you know, Folks are going to sleep on the couch watching are going to get, you know, renewed over and over and over and over again. So, yeah. And it's interesting that Josh brings up the point about Amazon trying to use their comment system to drive the decision making on what to use. Netflix is doing the same thing, except they're using their algorithm uh, to determine what people like to watch. And if you had told me that before they released House of Cards, I would have said that's going to be terrible. But as far as I'm concerned, they're one for one. I think online television is really just changing things and making it very exciting. All right. For our last Jump Cuts question today, I thought we should talk a little bit about what other podcasts we like to listen to. Uh, besides the screeners, which is definitely the best one out there. But other than that, Chad, what else do you listen to? I have a couple of production podcasts that I listen to or production related uh, based on Avid editing system because I'm uh, primarily an Avid editor by day. One is called the Avid Screencast. And it's very technical as far as it actually goes in and shows different techniques for editing and new updates for, for each new iteration of the Avid software that's out there. Another one is called Film Riot, which is not about Avid per se, but it is about production, kind of a lighter take on production, but it's fun and the segments are hilarious cut together. The guys that host that show are really, really very funny and that's well done. Finally, I listen to a script writing podcast called The Q&A, where they bring in Hollywood script writers to talk about how they came to writing their scripts. So those are the the three primary podcasts that I listen to. What about you, Josh? Well, it's time for everyone gang up on Josh again, because (laughs) you stole the only podcast I listen to, Melody, and that is um, this one. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I'm a pretty boring podcast consumer. I really haven't had time to sit down and dedicate chunks of time to listen or watch things since... I got done with my hour and a half commute to school. When I had that, I listened to, and I hesitate to say this, I listened to the podcast version of a couple NPR shows, which were great. Shut up. But <laughs> I love NPR. Yeah. Yeah. No, NPR is great. They've got some good stuff. Come on now. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm so relieved. <laughs> Radio I... Lab and It's American Life are great. They are. And since then, I've lis- I've watched some video podcast, which were actually open source college class type things for programming and things like that. So I get more boring as I talk. So I'm going to stop. <laughs> I, was, I was wondering when the 60 seconds was going to be up. Actually, It was up a couple minutes ago. Uh, all right. Awesome. All right, Chris, what about you? All right. So the podcast that I listen to almost on a daily basis, if I can, is what they call TNT Tech News Today. And that is on the Twit Network. And so if you're looking for them, go to TWIT.com. TV and uh, every day they do a tech podcast roundup of all the daily tech news. They do a great job. 
I was what? just kidding. <laughs> what? That was not cool. I'm, I'm now sorry, I'm Chris. I wanted to make you be now. like three for three. So go I'm, ahead. You're fine. I'm, I'm actually timing myself now, so I know how much time I have. So I'm, I'm a little more conscious. I know. I, I'm. You know. That's the reason why you. Never mind. I'm wasting my time. You are. Your time's really about to run out now. Go. No, it's not. I got 20 seconds left. At least 20. No, seconds you're good. Go ahead. Are left. Okay. So anyway, I would definitely say TNT. Uh, Q&A podcast, which Chad already uh, mentioned. And then if you're an iPad owner, iPad Today, same on the Twit TV uh, network. It's uh, Those are all fantastic, uh, fantastic podcasts. Yeah, I, um, I definitely listen to some of those as well. But in addition to that, I like to listen to some health and fitness stuff. So I am personally a fan of the Jillian Michaels podcast. And there's just a lot of really good information on there. And it's interesting and well-produced and fun. So I like to listen to that. And I'm also excited for a cast of Kings, which will be starting up here very soon. Actually, the first episode's already out. Uh, that is a podcast based on Game of Thrones. They kind of um, review each episode as it comes out. So I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. And Cast of Kings, I don't always really agree with their assessment of things, but it's always fun to rehash the episodes because I do enjoy the show very much. So those are just a couple of the podcasts I listen to. There's a lot of good stuff out there. So that's great that we could all share some of those things. So with that, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap up Jump Cut and head on into the main event. Welcome to the main event. Seed of the prophet shall sit the throne and drown in flame the mountains of man. Who are you? My name is DeWitt. Come to get you out of here. You come from my land. How dangerous can one little girl be? The girl is the flame that shall ignite the world. What did I do to them? You frightened them. Good. Booker, are you afraid of God? No, but I'm afraid of you. Bioshock Infinite was released for all major gaming platforms this Tuesday. It's the third game in a first-person shooter series, though the stories in the series don't really follow each other in a linear fashion, at least. And even though the first-person shooter label is kind of narrow for what Bioshock really is and has always tried to be, Chris, Chad, and I have all played it, though I'm at a different point at it than the two of them because they are overachievers. Melody hasn't played it at all, I don't think. Right, Melody? No, she I has. Played, I played like an hour and I, I watched oh, you have? a few hours. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we all have a slightly different perspective on it. Let's get right to it. I, Chris, you were the first one to finish it. Mm. So I guess you win the nerd contest and get to start. <laughs> By the way, if either of the two of you spoil the story past the first third or half of the game, I swear I will reach through this microphone nice. and, well, let's hope it doesn't come to that. I'm actually really looking forward to it. I think I'm going to spoil everything right now and awesome. see what happens. Great. Right. No, not at all. No. Okay, so I think what I'm going to do is just give my general impressions about the game first and not really talk a whole lot about the story, and then we'll do a spoiler cut, and then we'll talk a little bit more specifics about the story because, let's be honest, Bioshock Infinite, the reason why you're going to play this game is because of the story. Obviously, it's one of the reasons I should say. This game is one of my very favorite first-person 
shooter experiences, single player experiences I have ever had. And that kind of ranks up high with the first Bioshock and Portal. Those two games change kind of everything, uh, everything that I really thought about how what a video game could be. And Bioshock for me was just incredible on every single level. The the actual game mechanics of how things how things work and and the the, the amount of scale and beauty uh, of of the actual city of Columbia. You know, you are playing a character who Dewitt, right? Uh, Booker Dewitt. Booker. Thank you. My goodness, I just I spent thirteen hours with him and I don't remember his name. Anyway, that's what and she you, said. You, <laughs> and, oh, oh hey. uh, anyway, so Booker DeWitt, you, 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 you discover this flying city of Columbia and you've got to unravel its mysteries. And when you first come, the place is beautiful. I mean, it's alive. It is a real world. Yeah, I don't feel like I'm in a video game at all. I feel like I'm experiencing something that is incredibly well crafted. So I, I, I'll give it over to Chad and Josh and Melody, and then we can talk about the story later. I've had some really excellent first-person shooter experiences, particular games like Halo, Call of Duty series. But when you compare those kinds of games to a game like, and I'm going to be specific about the original Bioshock and then Bioshock Infinite, it's just not even a fair comparison. This, Those games are more like shooting galleries compared to this. This game makes me, it takes me longer to play this game than it would a normal first-person shooter because I want to spend my time exploring every room and every crevice, and the world is so fully realized that it's fun doing those things, looking through you know, stupid desks and trash cans and things like that is actually part of crafting this world, which if I had to say one thing that they've done very well with Bioshock Infinite is it it gives you a feeling that you are actually in a fully realized world. The yeah. little touches are masterful from having a barbershop quartet at the beginning because it's in 1912. My overall impression is just that very much like the original Bioshock, I wanted to keep coming back to this game because I wanted to know what happened in the story. I wanted to know what was going on. I wanted to figure out the mystery. But in addition to that, the mechanics of the game, in my opinion, are balanced very well. The combination of shooting versus enhanced... It's magic. Yeah, your enhanced abilities uh, is really, really good. I just had a wonderful time playing this game. Uh, You know, I bought it on Tuesday and I finished it today, three days later and I would have finished it in two days but my anniversary fell in the middle and I didn't want to get in trouble so I had to take a day off wise choice right right yeah but all I can say about this game these kinds of games are so few and far between that even if you don't find yourself playing a lot of first person shooters I think there's enough story and enough world building here that it makes it worth a play I I loved this game Uh, Melody what about you yeah, uh, my opinion for what it's worth, just bef- before I give it, I-, I let me just say a caveat, like, I'm definitely a gamer at heart. I'm not really a gamer in practice right now. The last game I played completely all the way through was probably God of War 3, because I'm more of a, like, hack and slash puzzle game type of gamer when I do get the rare chance to play. I'm not a first-person shooter fan. I don't have that skill second nature to me at all. The only one I've ever played all the way through was Portal, which I did love. So with all of that said, I did play the first couple hours of this game, and I watched Chris play a little bit beyond that. And I would just say 
if I had the time to play, which I don't because I'm a mom. But if I did, I would want to. I loved it. I loved, obviously, it was beautiful. It was very smart. The story is very compelling. I pretty much made Chris tell me every little detail of the story because I know I'll never play the game, but I definitely wanted to know what happens. So I, definitely, I would say even if you're not a first-person shooter fan, this game has so much more to offer than just than just that, and it's worth the play for sure. Josh, what about you? Well, I fall into that category too of people who aren't really first-person shooter gamers at heart. I, I've played several of them. I played Call of Duty and Halo mostly because I bought them initially for the multiplayer and I just play the single player because it's there. It's part of the experience. So it's kind of unfair for me to compare Bioshock Infinite to the genre that I really like, which is more open sandbox RPG type games. But I'm going to do it anyway. Bioshock Infinite, for a shooter, it's a really good show. It's really well put together, all the things that you guys have said. But coming from my perspective as someone who likes wide open worlds, I've started to get and I'm only five hours into it, maybe, I've started to get a little tired of the constant hand-holding, and it's, it kind of feels like a dungeon crawler to me. I'm the kind of person who checks every desk and everything anyways. I do that in RPGs all the time. So I'm a really deliberate player, and I'm glad that they kind of giving a nod to that side of me and letting me do that. So that, that part's good. I do have to, as we used to say in pretension school, wax a bit effete here. <laughs> and say that I've only I haven't played Bioshock 2. I played the first Bioshock. And the reason I did was because I was interested in how they were trying to bring philosophy into the game, making it the foundation of the game, objectivism. And they've kind of stuck with that in Bioshock Infinite, but even towards the very beginning of the game, it starts to feel so hyperbolic that you can't really take it seriously as a thought experiment. But I don't know. Maybe the first one was never meant to be a serious critique. I don't know. But I will say that there's a certain way to read the game that if you have a certain set of political sensibilities, the game is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> and so overall, it's it's a very well done game. So, Chad, I heard that you had a little bit of a tie in with the barbershop quartet that sang on the video game. Is that right? Yeah, this is actually a true story. It's crazy. I... As I said in the first episode, I sing in a barbershop quartet, and I actually, from time to time, I travel around and vocal coach other quartets as well. And when you're working with another group, you become uh, very aware of, of a specific sound, obviously, because you're working with them. And so I saw online that uh, they were doing a review, and there was a little two-minute video on YouTube where they had a preview copy, and they walked up and stood in front of this barbershop quartet that happens right when you first arrive on Columbia. So I was watching it online because I thought, oh, that's neat, Barbershop Quartet. And then the more I heard it, I, th I kept thinking to myself, that sounds like some guys that I know down in Atlanta that I work with. So sure enough, I, I started texting them, and it turns out that the audio director for 2K was somehow had heard of a, a gentleman by the name of Clay Hine, who lives in Atlanta, who is a, a barbershop arranger. And so he contacted Clay and said, hey, we need this song, God Only Knows. 
and uh, asked him if he would arrange it. So Clay, of course, Clay is not a gamer at all. So he said Bioshock and he could have been talking about anything. Clay had no idea. So he agreed to arrange it. And then he asked the director uh, just on the off chance, you know, who is recording this? And he said, well, it'll just be some studio singers. And Clay said, well, you know, I sing in a a pretty good quartet. Would you mind if we sung it? And so uh, they made a few phone calls and worked it out. And sure enough, the quartet is actually the same quartet that I've been working with for about a year. And they're, they're four guys from Atlanta. And so I, was, I called Clay and I was like, do you realize this is a huge game, Bioshock? And he's just like, yeah, whatever. It's a video game. I don't know. I'm like, just shut up. You don't know. Just shut up. This is amazing. <laughs> so anyway, I thought that was I thought that that was, awesome. that was really a cool, cool thing. OK, well, it sounds like we all like Bioshock. Just to make sure, let's go around the horn and see, is this a, a definite buy or is this a wait uh, to get it later on GameStop or Gamefly? Uh, Chris, what do you think? Uh, this is one of my favorite games I've ever played. So 10 out of 10, two, two thumbs up. Go get it. But right now, I think you'll enjoy it. Melody? If you are a gamer, definitely get it right away. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna ring that bell again and say this is a game that um, these kind of games don't come along very often. So get it and play it. Josh? Yeah, that's that's very true. I, w- I was going to let the cheapskate in me win. And I always get games later or used if I can, unless it's a huge multiplayer release. But games like this need to be supported. So if you play first-person shooters and you like smart games, you should probably go give these guys some more money. You're listening to The Screeners Podcast. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead, I think, and dive in a little bit deeper into the story of Bioshock. We're going to only cover the first third of the game and try not to ruin too much for you. If you've seen a trailer, more than likely, we're not going to go anything above and beyond that. We're going to try to be very careful not to ruin your experience. But we also want to we also realize and know that there are some people that want to be completely spoiler free, not have anything ruined. And so if you're one of those people, fast forward for, I don't know, five or 10 minutes and uh, we'll see you on the flip side. So let's go into some spoilers for Bioshock. I know you're not telling you say something. I'm smarter than you and I'm going to find out what I want to know, whether you like it or not. He mentioned Kaiser Soze. Who? After that, my guess is you'll never hear from him again. Whoa, spoilers. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, this story. And I think if we're going to talk about the story, the first thing that comes to my mind is Elizabeth. I mean, I know she comes in a little bit later into the game, but what do you guys think of Elizabeth? Did you guys fall in love with Elizabeth or is it just me? Define just, fall in love. Like literally <laughs> want to marry. Character. Literally oh, okay. want to marry Elizabeth. I did not fall in love with Elizabeth. <laughs> oh. You didn't? That would have been awesome. <laughs> No, but I did see uh, Penny Arcade um, today, the day we're recording, has a a great comic strip linking her to Belle and Beauty and the Beast, which Uh, is exactly how she comes off. She does. She does. does. I liked Elizabeth, the character, but the one thing that I did notice, when when you have someone, even though it's a digital character that's with you the entire time it made the game a lot less creepy and scary not not that the first one was super scary but there were certainly moments where playing it by myself i was like i'm gonna have to get up and turn the lights on boys (laughs) i'm a grown man but i'm not you know come on Uh, and it got really intense because you you're by yourself and a large part of that too is the audio design and let me just give props to the audio design on this game it is it's wonderful very effective and i kept i kept thinking somebody walking up my stairs or whatever and it would just be it would just be the game i had the same exact there was there was a a, i don't know a tapping or something that kept happening 
listening. Yep. And I, I, I paused the game and I turned around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I probably did that 15 game. times. Uh, I, uh. Yeah, the character, I think, is good, but it does it does make it a little less tense for me. So I, I missed that a little bit. There, there are a couple of things that always get on my nerves in video games. This thing that this game solved for me, uh, number one is, you know, running out of resources. And so if you're trying to run out of resources, Elizabeth will oftentimes say, Booker, you know, here and throw you a coin or throw you some ammo or throw you some life. And like that was just like, oh, thank you so much. I need that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have time to go find this stupid thing and get out of the action. It keeps the action going. And the other thing is when you die in this game, instead of the world stopping, the world continues. You know what I mean? Like if you've killed a dude, he stays dead. You die. You get brought back to life with that dude still dead and you just continue on. Or if you're being attacked by three people and you come back to life, you're still being attacked by three people. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I remember in the first Bioshock, I, my machine got turned off and I, I lost because I hadn't saved. I just forgotten. I got into the game and all of a sudden I'd lost, you know, 15, 20 minutes of progression. And this, if I ever did that ever ha- happened, you know, you know, my daughter comes in and pushes the button, and it turns off. Suddenly I've lost <laughs> a minute or two. Yeah. Not not 15 or 20 or even like a full like chapter of a game. So that's what I liked about it. It seemed to do a pretty good job of saving. Yeah. And, I'm anyway, only laughing you know, there because my infant son turned the game off twice nice. for me. And both times yes. it cost me about 20 minutes worth of progress. And he's really? only, yeah, yeah, he's only about, you know, he's almost a year old and I love him, but he almost got in real trouble. He's got to learn where his <laughs> learn where he falls in my priority Sad. list. Sad. I'm, just, I'm just kidding. So when you hear this one day, I love you very much. Anyway. So let's talk about a couple of yeah. specifics yeah, yeah. before we move on. Uh, one thing that that I liked about this game, uh, as well as the original Bioshock, is they really know how to open a game strong. I mean, it's they drop you right in the middle, and you're not sure what's going on, but the atmosphere starts right away. The very first thing that you do after you go into this uh, lighthouse kind of thing, and you walk up the stairs... And there's this uh, scene there. I won't talk about what's in there, but there's this scene there that's extremely creepy. I mean, and the sound design is just really, really good. Yep. And I love it. it. I'm immediately in. I mean, I'm like, I'm, I'm in. I want to see where this goes. What does this mean? How did this happen? So and, I and, love those little touches. And you're not in, in, instantly shooting. You know what I mean? You're not dropped into a war zone. It, it is. You, you, you're right. told exactly what kind of a game this is going to be. When you're in the Raven Club, do you guys remember that at the beginning? You're in, in the Raven Club when you first go in. Yeah. But then if you turn right and go into this little dining room area, there is a yeah. picture on the wall uh-huh. of John Wilkes Booth with <laughs> yeah. a gun to Lincoln's head, and Lincoln has devil horns, yeah. and John Wilkes Booth has like this halo around his head. Yeah. I was just like, that's that's incredibly awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's very subversive, and just being in the team of people to sit around and come up with those touches is, is what really helps flesh the world out. I mean, just little things like that I thought were awesome. Yeah, you, I mean, you find it so interesting because, you know, Abraham Lincoln is pretty much non-existent in this world. And the ones that have Abraham Lincoln on their wall are the ones that are the, the rebellious version. Because, I mean, if you look at the three founders, you know, the ones that they choose, Lincoln is not a part of the three, you right. know, quote unquote founders. Obviously, because well, he wasn't. No, I'm well, sorry. <laughs> that's what you were about to say. I know. I understand. Well, what I'm saying is. I what, tried what, to explain that to him, Josh. <laughs> he was really. Really wanting to make that point that Lincoln wasn't one of the founders. <laughs> I, was like, I, I, I understand that, but, I, but but if you're looking at years later, but okay, okay, but if you're still, you're, you're still <laughs> shut up. We love I'm you, done. Chris. I'm done. We I'm do. done. I'm done. 
the cutting room floor. Okay, so for this time for the cutting room floor, we're gonna try a new segment called Convince Me to Watch. And basically what we've done is each screener has picked a movie for one of the other hosts to watch. And so we've all watched our assigned films and we're gonna discuss them now. And basically the person who chose the movie has to say why they chose it. And then the one who watched it is gonna talk about what they thought about it. And they'll discuss a little bit. So for my, film, for my pick this week, I chose the film Side by Side for Josh to watch. And Side by Side is a documentary film about digital filmmaking and how it is impacting the industry as far as the business side and the art side. So the reason I picked this movie for Josh is because um, I think it's definitely something that if you are interested in the industry or even if you just love movies, it's kind of a must see. So Josh, what did you think of it? Okay, for starters, the biggest impediment to the movie, if there was one for me, was having Keanu Reeves be the MC and the host. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> having him be the, the gatekeeper <laughs> or docent for any form of intellectual stimulation <laughs> creates this cognitive dissonance for me that completely colors the rest of the presentation. Here's these people who have been in the industry for decades talking about their craft and their work. And there's Keanu Reeves sitting across from him with a beanie and a hipster beard. <laughs> wow. That was awesome. And he definitely has like seven different hairstyles throughout the course the, of the continuity. Film. That's in my notes. Yeah. How many different hairstyles can the man have in one movie? At first, I thought the, the story arc was a bit weak. They cut back and forth between a whole bunch of different people. Everyone from cinematographers to directors, VFX artists, sound artists, all sorts of people. And it seemed a bit slapshod to me at first, but then my wife, the English teacher, stepped in and helped me see a little bit more structure to it. It, it does have its moments. I, I enjoy hearing these people talk about the various aspects to movie making. For me, as someone who kind of knows how some of this stuff works already, I wanted, there were times when I was like, no, no, stay here, talk deeper. And it just moved on to the next part. The last maybe 20 minutes or so was the most interesting part where they started to talk about uh, the conflict between digital and, and film. And you started getting the people who are diehards. I'll always work on film and Tarantino falls into this camp. There was one guy in particular, I forget who he was, but he said he was talking about the democratization of filmmaking and the cheaper cameras, digital cameras, letting anyone make a movie. And he was saying that this will leave the world without tastemakers, as he called them, and quality filmmaking will go away. And even Keanu Reeves gets credit for just staring at the guy and going, wow. <laughs> yes, <I remember laughs> the subtext being, you're an idiot. <laughs> but this happens with every form of art, writing, music, and there are apparently still people who don't understand that the medium you choose is your means of communication, not the communication itself. It was worth a watch for anyone who's interested in the movie industry. Josh, you're so smart. Can you say cognitive dissonance one mm. more time? Cognitive dissonance. Oh, feels feels. How many count the syllables? Yeah, I mean, I completely, pretty much agree with everything you said. Um, I, I think Keanu was was probably the worst part of the movie. But I mean, like I said, I think if you are a fan of of movies at all, or especially of the industry, I think there's a lot of of good information here and good topics discussed. It was a very interesting watch. So so you would say you would you would recommend this film to someone to watch? 
Sure. Some someone who's interested in knowing a little bit about a lot of various aspects of what goes into making a movie. It's it's a decent hour and a half of about the industry. All right. Well, there you have side by side. All right. So I'm up next, and I got to choose a movie for Chris this week, which was just a wonderful thing for me to do. <laughs> yeah. And I chose. Yeah, you sure did. This is awesome. <laughs> I chose Visioneers, which is on Netflix. I should mention, one of us should mention, that all these movies that yeah. we're talking about today are available on Netflix for free. Yeah. So if you have a Netflix subscription, go check them out. Um, you're welcome. If we like them, and you're welcome. So I picked Visioneers for Chris, yeah. and it's a movie from 2007 starring Zach Galifianakis. It's a, kind of a dystopian, futuristic black comedy. And <laughs> hold on, Chris's hold on. Alley. <laughs> <laughs> when I first came up with this, Chris, I, I remember yeah. we were talking together and you were surfing Netflix and you were yeah. like, I don't know, it's only got two and a half stars. Are you yeah. sure? And I was starting to doubt, but I I went with it and I went back and I rewatched it in preparation for this, this show. Oh, good. I could not be happier about my choice. <laughs> really? I, yes. I laughed more in this movie than I have in any mainstream comedy. Oh, my gosh. In, you've got to be joking. Or, no, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> it's original. It's quirky. Okay. It's dark. It's underappreciated, and because I know you, that's why I picked it. I know you're either going to love this movie or absolutely hate it, yeah. and I know that it's already the second one, Dude. but I just want to say that either way, I win Shut because up. your <laughs> hatred makes me strong. Okay. So now you can break in with why you hated this wonderful movie. I have to movie. tell somebody to shut Go up ahead, on this podcast Chris. at least every once every episode. You do. You are very shut up-ish. All Listen, right, Chris, go. That is hilarious. And I want to have a conversation here. I don't want to necessarily just go on a rant because I need to know why in the world you thought it was funny. I, I, <laughs> I watched this entire movie. I watched this movie, I, I'd say, in about 10-minute chunks. Because I could not, I couldn't well, that, take that it. Explains part of your problem. It is no, no. It was the most okay. For let me say, the first ten minutes of the movie, I was in. I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting. Honestly, this movie would be better served if it was like a twenty-minute short than a full feature-length film because it, for me, it wasn't funny. It was on the nose. I, I just felt like, okay, I know exactly what this is. I know. I felt like I know exactly what was going to be happening, what was going on, and I didn't. I just didn't get it. It just did not make. It didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me why this movie exists and, and why – I mean, what, would, what did you laugh at? What, what did you find funny in this movie? I'm just curious. Well, I'm not going to give away the entire plot because yeah, yeah. I hope some people survive your scathing critique of Dude, it and maybe 90, they'll watch it. Dude, 98% of the people listening to this podcast will not enjoy this movie. Well, a good Jeffers morning to you and a good yeah. Jeffers morning to all of them, too. So Thank you for Watch that. the movie so you can know what I mean by that. Yeah, I understand exactly right. what you mean by So that's part of it. Have yeah. you read any? Well, well you can stop know. right there. <laughs> I mean, I, I was going to start dropping Don DeLillo, but let's just go back to oh. something like 1984. Yeah, 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 totally. I, I, or something. Like Ray it's, Bradbury, like a... For an yeah. Four or five. yeah, no, I get it. I understand that. And, and I understood exactly what they were going for. And that's why I said the first like 15 minutes of this movie, I was kind of into it. I was like, oh, this is this might be funny and good. But then I felt like I said, if I felt like the movie kind of got full of itself. The pacing was just so laborious, so slow. I don't even think we need to dive too much deeper into it. But I mean, oh, why, please do. This is enthralling. Why? I know, right? Why, why, why? Are you, I mean, is there anything else that you enjoyed? About, I mean, what was it that you really liked about this movie that you're like, ah, 
Chris has got to see this. I just, I don't get it. You did say you like Zach Galifianakis, and yeah. this is this yeah. is very much Zach Galifianakis' sense of humor. But one of the main reasons I picked it for you is because it's a quirky, offbeat kind of movie that I didn't think you would watch. Yeah, and and thought you might not like, but I thought there was a chance you would. Yeah, and I was I was just kind of yeah. I should probably give up. <laughs> totally, uh, it it definitely will appeal to a certain kind of person but i i, I just it, it, it did not it did not i did not and i just not i did not get it no I'm, I'm not trying to insult you josh but i just no, no, i completely understand i, I go just go ahead I and did. insult each other it would it would be better let's do it there are a few there are a few clever bits in there but i just felt like they it, they all literally in that moment landed incorrectly you know what i mean like it just none of it really it was just it was this it was is the too- longest review ever it's longer than the main sorry. event i'm sorry i'm so sorry yeah let's just move on all right so is now, anything else you- let me say this now i want to go see this movie so <laughs> do it it's it's on netflix you should, oh, I, I will mean, if, it's on if you want to punish yourself go ahead all right jeffers morning to you jeffers morning to you all right so uh and that's my turn i told chad to watch a movie called the Imposter. Now, The Imposter is a documentary centered, centered around a young Frenchman who claims to a grieving Texas family that their sixteen-year that he is their sixteen-year-old son that's been missing for almost three years. Now, that's the IMDb summary of the movie. I actually go on Netflix looking for interesting films, and about a year ago, I heard about this documentary. And saw that it was one of the new things on Netflix and thought, hey, I'll try it. I watched it and I was actually pretty enthralled with it. I was surprised by it. Pretty entertained by the way the documentary was shot. It's fairly uh, – it's, it's not a normal way of shooting a documentary. So I'll just say that. So, Chad, what did you think of The Imposter? I am a staunch lover of – documentary film. I've been fortunate enough to work on a couple of small documentaries, but I, I, I watch more documentaries in a calendar year than I do feature film for sure. So I was very excited when you told me to watch this because I'd heard some things about it, but I didn't know anything about the story. I, I mean, I literally went in watching this knowing nothing except for the title. I don't want to spoil what it is. And if you can view this film uh, without learning too much about it, I would say definitely go in that way. Uh, this this is, and I don't want to be too hyperbolic here, but this is probably the most beautifully shot and competently put together from a cinematography standpoint uh, documentary I have ever seen. Yeah, it is it is breathtaking. There are a lot of people that do documentaries. It's just a talking head after another talking head after another talking head, and some B roll and. The uh, the thin blue line started uh, kind of a trend where it became acceptable to do some reenactment. There are two camps on that when it pertains to documentaries, whether you're on the side of reenactment is okay or if it's got to be actual footage. Well, the issue with this story is that there's so little of the actual footage of what was happening here that they had to do reenactment. And I think as an art form, documentaries are only going to be better when this kind of approach is taken. It's actually like watching a thriller. This movie yeah. is like watching a thriller film. And I, let me say this. The story is so unbelievable that yes. if it wasn't true, I would say that is that the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. That there's, It's just not true. It's, in, yeah. it's insane what happened. If I were going to make 
uh, a documentary from the ground up, this is exactly how I would do it. Even the composition that they used for, for the talking heads is beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and and, and it it, it's beautiful. There's a lady singing in a trailer, and it's beautiful. Uh, the pacing is fantastic, it, and pacing is a very, very important in a documentary because it's so informative by nature. They have some little devices that they use where uh, the the person that's talking will transition over into some of the reenactment footage and the actors that have been hired will complete the sentence for them and when you hear me talk about it it sounds boring but when you see it it's so different and so fresh and i just i love this movie so i've got a question about about you know three-fourths of the way through did you get a little bit like like hairs raise up on the back of your neck a little bit like freaked out like I, I got because I was watching it like at one o'clock in the morning two o'clock in the morning it got a little scary like it, it, it turns it makes so many left and right turns yeah. so quick that I'm just like oh man this and, is and one one crazy. thing one thing that I would say about yes and and there's one particular the power of a documentarian to kind of shift <sighs> the way you think is very it's very strong but it's also used irresponsibly a lot yeah. you know <laughs> in particular I think of a there's a, a series or a trio of documentaries called Paradise Lost that talks about, based on a true story, HBO did them. If you haven't seen them, you should go check them out. It's a true crime story where throughout the course of three different films, the documentary makers shift their belief of who they think did this crime to two or three different people. And in each each instance, while you're watching it, you're infuriated with these people because you believe they did it. Wow. And then at the end, not giving anything away, it turns out to be something completely different. And so that bothered me a little bit about this because I don't think it's I don't think it's prudent, certainly when you don't have the information, but you have the power to point the microscope so hard where they did in a certain direction because they don't have anything to back it up. But when you watch it and when it's put oh, together dude. so well, it made me say Man. It's definitely that, you know, but at the just, end of the, but ultimately it's not necessarily that we don't know, but, but no, this yeah. is so good. Everybody is, should go is. stop what they're doing right now and go watch this. It's, it's wonderful. It is true. Okay. I've got the last one today and I, I found this film and I'm, I picked it for melody. It's a movie called warrior. And the reason I picked it for Melody is I don't know that she would, because her time is at such a premium being a mom, that she would take the time to watch a quote-unquote fight film. But this movie was one of the big surprises for me when I saw it. It had such a strong grounding in family, but certainly intense action field, and I thought it was beautifully shot. And so I thought Melody may enjoy it, or she may hate it. But in either case, I don't think it's a movie that she normally would watch. So that's why I picked it. So I'm interested to hear what you thought, Melody, about Warrior. Well, thank you, Chad. I always wanted to spend two and a half hours... (laughs) watching an MMA fighting film. So I appreciate that. No, uh, I I have to say I had to force myself to watch the first 20 or 30 minutes of this movie. Uh, Maybe it was just because I was watching it late, whatever. But I I was just bored, 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 bored. And then somewhere, not sure exactly when it happened, but somewhere I was like totally in. by, By the end of the film, I was definitely like hanging on every frame, like loving every minute of it. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a great movie. I think it's very 
predictable movie um, when you know the premise, which for sure. I don't know how spoilery we're getting, but it's in the trailer. Um, it's okay. You can say it. Yeah. Okay. So it's two brothers basically on the same journey to this tournament. And you know, you know, as soon as you know that they're two brothers, you know, they're going to end up fighting each other and that's going to be the end of the movie and whatever. So uh, that part was predictable, but the acting is so fantastic in this movie and the characters are so lovable. All of them, mm-hmm. even though obviously they're all conflicting with each other, they're all so lovable that you just you want to know what happens. And the fights actually like I wanted I wanted to see the fight. I wanted to see what happened in each of the fights in this tournament leading up to the big fight between these two brothers. You kind of know, obviously, you know, they're going to win because they're going to end up fighting each other. But the payoff in each fight is is really good. Like it's kind of like exactly what you would have want, wanted to happen in that fight. So I, I thought all of the fights leading up to the big one was great. The big one I didn't want to. I did not want to watch it at all. Like I yeah. couldn't stand to watch it. Yeah, you don't um, want because, either one to win. Exactly, and and you, it, it's a very gritty film, very violent, and you can just feel them slamming their bodies into the floor. I did not want to watch that part, but. It all came together great, and um, I, I definitely would not have watched this movie. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm, but I'm glad that you recommended it. I enjoyed it. I would also recommend it. That's good. I know that Tom Hardy is brutal in this movie, and his fights are crazy. And you know, I th- I'm pretty sure that Nick Nolte, as the dad, was actually nominated for an Academy Award for his performance mm-hmm. for this. What did you think about Nick Nolte? Yeah, I thought he was fantastic. I. I I wish that I had been into it in the beginning because I think he gives some great performances in the beginning of the film and I wasn't all in at that point. So I feel like I might have missed him a little bit, but um, he definitely has a great scene later in the film that, I mean, I think it, I think it was Oscar worthy for sure. He he was excellent. I, all three of the main male leads in this film were outstanding in my opinion. Excellent, excellent. Well, I'm glad that you liked it. Okay. It looks like I either won or lost depending on whose metric you're going by. <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna me. say one because Chris hated it so much. <laughs> you you lost, Josh. No, you won. You won. You're listening to the Screeners Podcast. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning into the Screeners Podcast. We love to hear from our listeners. So if you'd like to talk more about something you heard on the show, or if there's something you didn't hear on the show but wish you had, just drop us a line. No matter how you're used to talking to people online there's a good chance that you can talk to us that way too. You can go on Facebook, search for Screeners Podcast, tweet us at ScreenersCast, send us an email, ScreenersCast at gmail.com, or just leave a comment at ScreenersPodcast.com, where you can also read up on the things we mentioned in the episode or send us ideas for future topics. As always, if you like what you hear, help us spread the word by leaving some love in an iTunes review. See you next time. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to screenerspodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.